Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, I wanted to remind you that uh, besides being on AM 830 on Sundays at um, 10 AM and 6 PM before and after Angels games, our shows are also available anytime at ExitCoachRadio.com. You can listen to a wide variety of topics from a whole bunch of different advisors in our audio library. You can even search by topic. My guest today is Wayne Pinnell of Haskell & White. He is the managing partner at that firm here locally in Irvine. And you probably know it if you live in Southern California, Haskell & White LLP is one of the largest independently owned accounting, auditing, and tax consulting firms in Southern California. And they specialize in servicing public and private middle market companies. They have locations in Irvine and San Diego and Haskell and White combines the expansive services, knowledge, experience, and reach of national and international accounting firms with the personal attention, responsiveness, and value of a local organization. And today we're gonna talk about how you can get ready and use your CPA wisely as you prepare for your exit. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Bill. Pleasure to be here. Wayne, uh, we always like to get started by getting to know a little bit about our guests and the firms they represent. And can you give us a little bit of, of background? Sure. So for me personally, I've been a CPA in California for a little over 30 years. I've got a wide level of experience serving uh, public companies, private companies, and a variety of nonprofits through the full life cycle of their companies from out of the box to ultimate uh, sale, succession, or, or otherwise. Um, the firm, Haskell White, has been in business in Orange County for a little over 28 years, and it's been my pleasure to be here for 20 of those, serving as the managing partner for the last 12. Uh, our client base is middle market. Uh, typically, we put a band in there somewhere between 10 million and 100 million, but that is not a limit to what we do. We've got clients smaller and larger than that re uh, revenue target. Uh, but one thing that we really like about clients uh, to serve them, the ones that are most interested in growing, um, they're very transaction-oriented, uh, that let us really be able to do more consulting work than uh, just be their compliance partner uh, year in and year out. So the funds in the consulting and helping them grow and exit. Yeah, and I know by reputation the firm has an excellent reputation uh, in the area. So if you are uh, listening and you're wondering, you know, if you're getting the best representation, you ought to think about contacting uh, Haskell and White. But first of all, um, what are some of the scope of things that people come to you initially for uh, when, because it's, you know, CPA relationship is so sacred to so many people, it's a difficult one for them to change. So what are some of the reasons people come and say, I'm choosing Haskell and White, uh, I need to have this done, and here's why I'm coming to you? 
Well, there's for us, there's two primary reasons well, people will start out seeking uh, us or any any CPA firm, and uh, one of those is usually uh, income taxes because there's usually a, a prep need or they've uh, received an audit notice or something like that, and they need help that's beyond their, their home expertise. And then the other one would be some type of financial reporting requirement because they're doing business with a bank, for example, that is now asking them to provide an audit or review as one of the covenants for the line of credit that they've been offered. Uh, but beyond that, um, really we can get into much more uh, deep levels of business consulting, helping them reach uh, the goals that they have for their business and, and their personal uh, family matters. And, of course, these days um, a lot of people are aging into this whole exit planning topic, a lot of business owners that started their businesses 20, 30 years ago. And sometimes, you know, you get to that point when you go, I need more from my, my CPA team. I've either outgrown them or I'm just not getting, I need, I need beyond, you know, tax help. So let's talk about some of the reasons that people might come as far as financial pitfalls. Wayne, what are some of the financial pitfalls that business owners face while they're getting ready to sell their company? You know, I think the biggest one is, is quite frankly, just a failure to plan. Um, they've they've reached a point. Uh, maybe a few years ago, they were getting ready to sell, and the economy wasn't all in their favor for values. And they put their heads down and kept working for the next few years, trying to reach a, a value in a, in a better economy, and really haven't thought about seriously thought about what the real exit's going to look like. And um, I've got several clients that this has happened to the past couple of years. They get one of those offers that comes out of the blue, and you know it's it's now what? Hurry up and get ready to try to make this deal happen. And it, it's just not as clean as if it would otherwise be if you were thinking years ahead of time of what that exit might look like. Yeah, that's that's absolutely uh, what I what I see and hear out there a lot is people are scrambling. Uh, of course. Uh, the business isn't taking any time off, so now they got to scramble on top of the business being busy. Uh, and uh, a lot of people, of course, run their businesses um, in a way to to minimize their taxation and minimize their, their taxable profits. And then all of a sudden, they can't have their cake and eat it, too. They want to sell their business. The buyers are going to be looking differently at that. So let's talk about the difference between... Um, uh, we hear a lot about you should have audited financials if you're certainly in the space you were talking about, size of business. Um, what's your comment as far as that's concerned? Do they need to have audited financials, and if so, for how long to, to make a, a buyer feel good about the business? Okay, well, let me come to that in a second. I just want to touch back on something you just said about um, the business goes on every day. When they're not ready to sell and they're suddenly in that scurry to sell or otherwise retire, they lose focus on the business too, which is also a negative at the time you're trying to make your best deal. Uh, as far as needing an audit, um, no, you actually don't have to have an audit to get a deal done, but it is uh, preferable for many buyers to have the credibility that an audit provides, um, that somebody else has taken a look at your, your financial records and has uh, attested to the fact that you're presenting your financial statements generally in accordance with uh, general accepted auditing uh, I'm sorry, general accepted accounting principles. So, so gap seems to be the, the main thing people want to know. And from a, a cake and eat it to standpoint, tax and gap accounting can offer you two different results, but you generally can't show profits on a financial and minimize tax all the way through on your tax return. So um, companies need to be looking for the credibility in their financials, what it is that they're going to be telling as a story uh, in the history there. So it may be that a buyer will look for one year, two year, three years of, of audited financials, but the important thing is to start a track record 
uh, and started early. Good point. And, you know, one of the things that, of course, is, is happening as the baby boomers age into this exit planning horizon, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of competition. So you need to look clean um, so that they don't go, well, you know what, we've got other deals we're looking at and you're just not, you're just a mess. So they don't, we don't need that. How are some other uh, ways that um, we can help the business owner with their CPA uh, to prepare for that exit early in advance? Well, a couple couple things that we like to look at is not only just what is the business plan, but if we're talking about generally private, middle market, family-owned businesses, what is the family plan? And and to that extent, it takes into account uh, whether there is a in-family succession plan that's there, if there is an opportunity for perhaps a management buyout, uh, what are their you know goals upon on pawn sale. Uh, what do they want to do with that money? Um, and so some of that is tax planning. It may be charitable endeavors. It may be putting things through uh, what my tax partners would help with in, in terms of uh, uh, trusts or generation skipping type uh, um, vehicles. But but the key thing is, is, again, knowing where they want to get to gives you a good runway to help them figure out what gaps are in their business, what type of thing they might need to clean up, where they're a little soft on skills, where the management team's lacking. There's a whole host of things that a company can improve given enough time to do it. Now, without getting too technical, um, one of the things we hear early in advance is that if a business has been set up as a C corporation, and of course many of the early businesses were C corporations or weren't alternatives like there are today, uh, that perhaps they should think about converting to an S corporation. I know the answer is it depends, but in general, can you give us a, just a quick overview for our listeners as to why that might be advantageous to be an S corporation versus a C corporation at the time of a sale and, and why you need to do it early in advance? Sure. So the general issue with a C corporation is it has a double level of tax so that the corporation itself pays tax. And then as the the sale of the stock of that corporation generates income for the holder, they're going to pay tax again, basically on the same cumulative profits that the corporation generated. An S-Corp, on the other hand, is actually treated, um, it, it's a pass-through entity, if you will, in that the earnings of the corporation flow through to the individual's tax return. So they're only pay, paying one level of tax. So there, there's a, certainly a tax savings uh, on an S-Corp. Uh, you're right in that the C-Corp seemed to be the general model that uh, is, is kind of the starting point. Everybody opts for a C-Corp for some reason without doing a whole lot of thinking about that. But if you were to convert from a C-Corp to an S-Corp, generally you've got a five-year holding period right now to get past a, a period of time they refer to as built-in gains. So the, the numbers that have been built up in the tax return of the C-Corporation will become much more tax advantageous to you if you can hold on for five years. And then the profits in the sale of that business will be clearly taxed only at the one level, not two levels. So if you've got a five-year five runway out there, it's a good time to convert. And that used to be a much longer runway, correct? It used it used to be ten, yeah. So they've they've modified that down to five, so it makes it a little easier to plan it's, for a shorter horizon. It makes it a, a a bigger decision for a lot. I mean, a more important decision because a lot of people. I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of people in their fifties and sixties are saying five five and out. <laughs> you know, give, give me five more years. That seems to be the common timeline. I guess that people can think to is. In five years, I want to be doing something different or sell the business or whatever. Do you hear that a lot, too, or what's, what's the timeline? I, 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 hear, 
Uh, so I do hear the five and out. I also have seen the people who were five years ago thinking that they were five and out and uh, are now looking that five years has kind of doubled to, you know, 10 years because they've been working to recover some values or others. Uh, generally speaking, the workforce is aging overall. Uh, owners are no exception. And I think the psychology of the owner starts kicking in if they're in their mid-50s or early 60s. Uh, you know, many of uh, many of us, and I'm almost there, would would kind of wonder what you're going to do if you stopped working uh, through your daily business or that baby that you've built up over 20, 30 years. Yeah, you, here's my theory on aging, Wayne. 65 is a new 55. You've heard that, right? 75 right. is a new 65, but 80 is still 80. So we, you know, there there is, there comes a time we can push things back a ways, but we still have to plan. And of course, as we get older. We're getting into we're getting into an age where anything can happen. I've had a lot of clients um, pass away from stress and heart attacks and things like that over the last couple of years that I would have never thought. But when you're a business owner, you run a stressful life, so you have to be ready for that. Particularly, um, if you're going to work longer, then make sure you've got your bases covered. If if uh, unfortunate thing happens in your in your life or someone around you in their life so let's talk about industry wise now um, are some industries um, more in need of a CPA when they're prepping for their M&A than others and if so what are they Uh, actually I don't think there is (laughs) the the reality is every business has its own unique processes principles products services and they're going to vary by um, depth of ownership depth of uh, depth of management uh, personal service corporations have kind of a, a difficult time because if it's very personal, like attorneys, accountants, architects, if those are people selling their business, they, they certainly need to figure out what their exit plan is too. But they're very personalized in that that individual is providing the service. Companies with products, et cetera, need to be just as, as vigilant planning for the future because uh, in a product-type company, Technology, uh, evolution of products, competitors is going to be something to keep an eye on. But every entity that has a life cycle, there is a, a beginning and an end to it. And it really, I'd like to you know, coach people to start, when you start a business, plan for the exit. I mean, if you, if you have a, an idea where it's going or you know, visit that every couple of years, what is the exit and where are the, the, the pitfalls that you're, you're going to deal with, what are the opportunities that you can chase? Technology seems to be a you know a big thing right now. You hear a lot about technology companies changing hands. Uh, certainly, some of the large ones in Orange County. Life sciences are another thing that are uh, big out there. But you know a lot of money goes into those to develop the, the next drug. But um, you know some of those are all succession plans that they integrate upwards. So it, it depends on your industry where your ultimate opportunity is going to be. But none of them should escape planning. Uh, absolutely. Um, now, I was going to ask you, do you see that more uh, service companies um, and service-oriented companies, do they have a greater need to plan for their own personal retirement through using things like uh, 401k plans and profit sharing? Should they be thinking about their own buyout as opposed to you know, hoping somebody's going to buy their service when we've had such things as technology and the internet. For instance, I'll give you an example: a doctor, a doctor that may have at one point um, brought in other associates and created a nice succession plan within their practice, and now they're so beholden to the the, the HMO books and the directories that there may not be be much value in that practice when they reach retirement. So they need to be thinking about it personally. Is that a conversation you have with service company? Owners? Yeah, I, you know, again, I think you, you really do. Is it service 
companies, especially personal service, and throw doctors into the list like we just did, um, there is an exit, and as you grow people up in your practice to take over for you, there has to be some practice that continues that benefit and nurse to them, but there's also a way to get your money out, and it would be unwise for anybody to not think about external um, retirement vehicles, as you mentioned, 401ks and others. Um, there are other companies that are using uh, employee stock ownership programs or employee stock ownership mm-hmm. plans, ESOPs, uh, to put in a, a gradual shift and change from first-line owners down to the employees at large. So there's different vehicles for different folks, but nobody should uh, rely on the company to take care of them after they retire. And that's a big problem we've seen of a lot of people where they thought, you know, my business is my retirement plan and someday I'm going to sell it and cash out and I'll be done with that. And the issue today is if you sell it uh, and you haven't done proper planning, you have a big tax bite and then you reinvest the proceeds into a market that's not giving us much yield. It's very difficult to replicate your your income stream from the after-tax proceeds of a sale of a business these days. Can you comment on that? Uh, everything you said is true, and I think one, you know, another uh, piece that adds into that is when you first start talking to a business owner about what they think they can sell their business for, um, I think most people would agree that, I'll make up a statistic here, 99% of the time they're overinflated the number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they feel very passionate about their business. They would love to sell it for that number that they're they're throwing out there, but it's often not really based in market reality, and so it is adding to that problem that people think they're going to sell their business for $10 million, um, can't really sell it more from maybe more than seven, so they've already lost $3 million that they, they were more or less quote-unquote planning for. And then you take the tax bite and figure out where you're going to reinvest that. Um, you know, one of the things we really like to talk to companies about is what would you like to get? And I had a conversation with a company the other day. They thought $5 million, you know, they're not going to sell the company for $5 million, probably aren't really going to think about growing the business. I said, well, at some point you're going to want to sell this, right? So what's the number? Is it 15? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the owner thought about it for a moment. Well, 15 could be the number. So, well, then what we really need to talk about is how you get you from a $5 million value today to the 15 that makes sense to you. And there's a lot of work to do in between. There is a lot of work to do. And the other thing, let's talk about terms for a second. Now, how often do you see, let's say, a uh, a 10 to $20 million revenue company, how often do you see that sold in a, a staged kind of an earnout situation or some kind of a staged situation where they have to hang in there? And, and what's the likelihood that they're going to get those later installments in that? What, how, how do you help them plan in that area? Yeah, so there, there's two very common pieces, as you point out there. One is the if it's a sole proprietor, let's say, selling his business, there's oftentimes that they'll offer that person a, a two- to five-year uh, package to stay on and run that business. Um, and in doing so, they tie that to the, the earnout, which is staging the compensation for the sale of the business based on hitting whether it's revenue targets, growth targets, uh, new geographies, products, what have you. Uh, the difficulty often comes in two fronts. One is the owner sometimes has a difficult time shifting from running his own company to working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I've often heard it, the complaint is once there's a new owner in play, they don't necessarily make all the resources available that the original owner would have thought he would have needed to hit those earnout targets. So earnouts are very common things that get thrown into deals, but I think you'll find more often than not earnout targets don't get hit and mm-hmm. it leaves some, for some dissatisfaction. Um, I had a client several years ago that we were, he was talking about an initial deal, offered five-year employment and an earnout, and this is where some psychology sticks in here because he said, well, you know, five years, well, I can go to jail for five years, 
And, you, know, <laughs> you, have, you have to stop the conversation and understand what is it you're about to enter here. Because yes. if you view it going to jail for five years working for somebody else, it's likely not going to work in everybody's favor. Yes, I had uh, one owner who was uh, planning to sell his business, and then they found in negotiations he was bartering or or negotiating for his own PTO, his own personal freedom under the new regime, and he said that is not going to work. And there's there's an old saying out there that in an earnout situation, the first check's great, the second one's late, and the third one never comes. So you got to be real careful uh, when you're planning for your if that if you're so wrapped up that that third check is so important to your lifestyle, you just better be, you better start planning early and make sure that that third check is not important in any way, shape, or form. Would you agree with that? I mean, well, hopefully. yeah, because you're right, because if it's going over five years, and it's as short as five years can seem, five years can be a very long period of time, and if targets aren't being hit early on in that five-year period, they're less likely to be hit by the time you get to the end, so... Um, good advice on the deal structure would be to not leave way, uh, not leave too much as a back mm-hmm. portion of the deal. You want to get as much as you can up front and certainly work toward the success of the first, second, and hopeful third check. But uh, the more targets you miss early on, the more targets you're going to keep missing. So, Wayne, we have baby boomers now between ages 53 and 70 this this year. And, of course, from 2008 to a probably not too long ago, business owners would have loved to have sold, but there's only one problem. There was no E in their EBITDA. And so no multiple would, would really work for the sale of their business. So there's kind of a – is there a pent-up demand? Do you feel that there's a pent-up demand? Or has the, the aging – you know, the, the – uh, the aging extension thing we talked about taking a little bit of pressure off of that or, or most, what do you hear from most of your clients out there? Well, I think certainly the, the aging, the population, the the cycles in the economy have taken a little bit of edge off of that. People are hanging in there longer. Um, but as you pointed out earlier, there is a point when everybody realizes they have to go, the time is right. Um, if there's if there's a lacking E in the EBITDA formula, then I, I, you can't stress enough that we should be thinking now, if it's a five-year runway that's left, what are you spending your money on in the company? What things are not working on all eight cylinders uh, in your growth plan, your sales plan, your expense structure? Um, there's a lot of companies that are, are spending money on things that really have no uh, return on that type of investment. And so one thing we're able to do is go take a look, you know, certainly on the audit realm we see it, but just as special projects, we can take a look at companies' uh, expense structures and, and really challenge whether they're getting any return on the monies being spent. Um, private companies also, you know, family-owned companies tend to run a lot of personal things through their companies too, whether, you know, you know straight or straightforward or not. Those things can hurt earnings um, while they're getting a benefit of the perk. They can certainly hurt the earnings, and they have to be carved out when you're dealing with a uh, a potential buyer to understand what's really the potential profit in your business. So let's sum it up uh, for our listeners. It's been a great conversation with you. Let's sum it up. What are three tips or precautions that you would give business owners contemplating the the upcoming um, in the in the horizon of the sale of their business? Well, I think the first one clearly is is plan early. Uh, get your advisors around you, help you understand what your options may be uh, for you, for your employees, the growth of your business, future profit. Uh, understand your tax structure, uh, your desired tax structure, and the uh, the outcomes that you want to have there. And I think third would be to, while you're going through this, 
you can't take your eye off the ball. The business has to keep running, and the best way to keep the business running the way it should be is to have done all that prep work in advance. So there you have it, folks. Uh, very sound sound advice, great tips. Uh, Wayne, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. How do our listeners get in touch with you and learn more about Haskell and White? So our phone number is 949-450-6200. Our website is www.hwcpa.com. And my email, it can be found on the website as well, but it's wpinnell, that's W-P-I-N-N-E-L-L, at hwcpa.com. Wayne, thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, just, just ask around here in Orange County or San Diego County. Ask around. Everybody respects and loves uh, Haskell and White for their planning services. And you can, you can tell why, Wayne, you did a great job uh, helping our listeners understand clearly what they need to do and why they need to be working with a quality CPA firm. Thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to the next time. Very good. Thank you, Bill. All right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. So please stay with us. <laughs> 